back to the VR Army Wrestling Radio Show. Uh, tonight we got a unique episode as we approach the 19th year anniversary of the attacks that took place on the World Trade Centers on September 11th, 2001. As we all know, on that tragic day, four planes were hijacked and used to attack multiple locations uh, in the United States. But just 60, mi 60 miles south of West Point, first airplane struck the World Trade Center at 846, followed by a second attack at 903. That day, we had a total um, of 2,996 individuals that lost their life and thousands of countless others that were injured. On this episode, uh, very unique, we're going to have members of the class 2005, which is significant because they began their West Point journey during a time of peace. And then three months later, are faced with a completely different West Point journey as international conflict was imminent and they faced a very different journey as, as that began. And, so we look to gain their perspective on, on the events that took place and how it changed their remaining time at West Point, ultimately their Army careers. So joining us tonight, we got Ty Reedy, Phil Simpson, and Joe Forsman. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. How you guys doing? Well, sure, guys. Appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so um, we can dive right in. I, um, you know, kind of I'll start out with, uh, you know, an easy one, you know, like, what were your outlooks coming into, you know, regarding like the army as you went through the recruiting process, you know, some of you are highly recruited, others maybe not as much. Um, how did that change, you know, after 9-11? You guys pretty much just got out of beast barracks um, when, you know, 9-11 happened. How did that kind of change your mindset and maybe your outlook on how you were going to approach West Point? Let's start with you, uh, Ty. Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, getting, recruited uh by army you know pre 9-11 it was all about for me and my family it was all about the prestige right and and then obviously the um the 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 check that my parents weren't gonna have to stroke or the debt i wasn't gonna have to undertake right so all those factors combined um and then the the, the fact that i was gonna get to wrestle d1 um all those factors combined were very um compelling and it was one of the, for me, it was one of those instances where I was always patriotic in my, my life. I didn't come from a military family. Both my parents were teachers. You know, I had like one grandfather that served. That was about it. Um, so it wasn't like prominent in my life. But as soon as I, you know, went on my recruiting trip with Coach Barbie, um, I walked on campus, just one of those life moments where I knew that was a good fit. I didn't know why. I just, I just knew that was the place I was going to go. Um, so really the focus was wrestling and, you know, getting a degree from West Point and, you know, obviously serving, but, you know, again, pre 9-11, that's going to play war games and then, uh, and then getting a good job after, you know, with the West Point network. But then obviously 9-11 flipped that on its head. And really for, for me, for, I, I believe for all of us, I think I can speak for most everybody's that, that really, came, you know, brought to, to the forefront of why the academies existed, right? Like my mom called me as soon as she could, you know, after nine, after the events, as soon as she could get through the phone line, you know, pre-cell phone, I didn't have a cell phone. And she said, all right, we're coming to get you. You know, this is crazy. I was like, well, this is pretty, I think this is why we're here, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a long story short on, on kind of how it kind of flipped on its head for me. How about you, Joe? Well, I was uh, really just kind of naive to what any of this stuff was. Um, you know, I was I was into wrestling. That's it. And uh, my parents found out that going to the academy was going to be free, so that was it. It wasn't like a recruiting process or anything. I was recruited other places, but that's all there was to it. There was no. It, it was nothing else about it other than that. Um, so it was the best deal in town. And then that happened. And I'll tell you really the internal change that happened when 9-11, it was like, a, you know, the morning I was, you could sleep during that time in AMI. So that was a big change, right? <laughs> if you want to know that one of the biggest changes I remember was that. And so I was like trying to get a nap in in my, this is really how interesting it was for a small town kid from Idaho. Uh, my roommate told me, hey, one of the Twin Towers just got hit. And I looked up and I was like, what's the Twin Tower? So 
that part of the geopolitical international issue that was ensuing was totally over my head. I had no idea what was taking place. Uh, but immediately you just knew that it was uh, completely different than what we had signed up for. I, you know, it, mentally, it, it was just completely different. It wasn't about wrestling then as much as you wanted it to be. It was about something else. That's it. Appreciate that. Phil, how about you? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think similar to Joe and Ty, I, I remember like my junior year in high school, my, my dad and mom sat me down and said, uh, basically, if you want to go to college, you're either going to have to uh, join the military, do ROTC, or get a wrestling scholarship. So um, I was like, yeah, definitely not interested in the military. So I'm um, going to probably do uh, – Try to try to uh, wrestling scholarships. Believe it or not, it, wrestling scholarships are hard to come by, and uh, even the little money they give you, it's still not a lot. Um, so when uh, Coach Barbie, I knew I went to a wrestling camp in Oklahoma, and uh, really really liked him, and that's when I realized how good of a technician he was. Um, and then he called me, and I was stoked. I was like, Yeah, all right, Oklahoma sounds great. And he was like, Yeah, I'm at the United States Military Academy. Like. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of push-ups and stuff. And <laughs> he was like, uh, yeah, but it's great. Uh, you should come up and see it. I was like, oh. it's like, all right, well, being from the the hotbed of uh, wrestling in Tennessee, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of interested in me at the time. So uh, I was like, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> so I went up there, and uh, you know, I think the thing that made me really interested at West Point was not so much the military, but the people. Um, so on my recruit trip. At Shades night, and um, I think guys had just gotten fresh off their CTLT experiences, and uh, I think some of them from uh, Bugnam. Laughing and telling people, it's a really cool place. Again, a lot of people gaming and shooting cool things, but there was no uh, no realism to that. So for me, it was yeah, Russell, 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 um, and. Uh, you know, it changed, like, similar, I think, to, to, to Joe and Ty. Um, I just remember, I think the first time it actually hit me what was going on was probably when we went to the mess hall, I think, for lunch. And, you know, it's still far enough distance for us. I mean, we, we were plebes. I mean, we, I didn't know anything. I didn't really understand the Twin Towers and, and all that was going on. But uh, seeing the firsties and their faces, that's, that's when I was like, okay, this is probably very real for them because uh, – you know, they came in too, and, um, you know, that that changed everything. I think they had just branched too, so – or we're getting close to branching. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was kind of my experience. I think it's – you know, if I can, guys, I think it's, you know, probably interesting for people to hear, like, how West Point handled it, right? Like, so, so how I found out – I was in chemistry lab, which – I actually just got off the phone with the, 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 one of my classmates who's singly responsible for me passing chemistry, but that's another story. But I was in chemistry lab, failing, and that's when the, the, first, the first plane hit. But down in chemistry lab in those dungeons, no TVs, you know, again, no cell phones at that time. So we didn't know what was going on. I was walking to math class, another class I would come close to failing, and on the way to math, the, I heard two upperclassmen talking, say, wait, you know, there's an accident. Someone, you know, if there was confused this talk about the plane hitting the trade, you know, one of the trade center, one of the towers. So I get to class, the teacher has the television on and then the second one hits and we watch it for a few minutes. Um, and he turned the TV off. He looked at the class and said, Hey, our lives are about to change. And he paused for a little bit. I'll never forget it. And he's like, open your books to last night's assignment. And we went on with class. And like, we didn't miss a class. They didn't cancel classes. They didn't do anything. They might've changed the schedule up a little bit. The only thing I remember after that is kind of, I remember that class and him saying that. And then I remember a briefing. I don't know if it was that night or what, but the whole core was in a briefing. And I remember, you know, them kind of talking about, look, you know, we have people at the academy, you know, cadets that have parents at the Pentagon, you know, downtown. I just, I just remember, remember that. I don't know if Joe and 
and Phil remember that, but that, that was that seared into my mind. But we kept going. And, and, and you know, another fact is that I know we all we all wanted to get down to New York City and help. It's right down the river, right? It's, we could get down there, we could touch it, but they had so many volunteers and just you had too many people that all I all I remember them allowing us to do is donate our shirts and socks for the mm -hmm. first responders down there. So that's, I thought, you know, you're good. It's uh, really interesting. Yeah. The, um, that kind of dives into our, you know, our next area too. Cause it's like, we want to know like, you know, what it was like at West Point. I think that's what listeners kind of think like, how did West Point respond? How did things change? Um, you know, if you could you know, speak to that, I think we there's lost Joe. I think I just stole JT's question too. Cause it just went right into it. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Phil, how about you? Um, you know, I think Joe's going to take a minute to get back on here. You know, how talk us through you know, what your 9-11 experience was, where you were at, you know, kind of what you saw. Um, you kind of spoke about the, like the first he's seeing it, you know, seeing it real, you know, up front, um, that ahead. You know, what, what, where were you at? What did you, what did you do? Kind of what, what did you say? Yeah, so I was actually headed to class, um, um, and I was uh, just crossing where the, the new library is, um, and I remember, I think I was headed to English class, English or chemistry, one of the two, and, you know, we're supposed to be paying in, uh, whatever that means, uh, hands cup moving out, and uh, which was my specialty, by the way. You were great at it. I was about to say, you have to admit that Phil might have been the best pinger ever. <laughs> <laughs> of course, naturally. Uh, great pinger and great pinner. Yeah. Well, and definitely I, in the wrong uniform. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right one today, though. I, I got, my, got my sweater on here. But, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I was very used to getting stopped for anything and everything. I just, everyone, it's horrible, man. I felt so bad for Phil. <laughs> no, it was good. It was my job. It was my role. I was, uh, I was the eight up and uh, let everyone else kind of get to the skirts. And uh, but, so somebody stopped me, and I remember being like, all right, well, I'm, you know, what am I doing now? And uh, he was like, did you hear? And I was like, uh, Corporal, I don't understand. You know, like, what am I supposed to say here? You know, uh, he was like, one Towers just got hit. One Towers just got hit. And he's like running off. I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm not sure what just happened, but I'm going to keep moving out and just pretend like nothing happened. So <laughs> I made it you all the way. with your auto responses, huh? Yeah, I was, I was locked in, man. I was, I was, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm in class and I, uh, similar experience to I that it was really solemn. I think I was probably like the last person to know. Um, I don't know. I must have been in uh, head in the clouds or something. Uh, it's, that was unlike me. But uh, but I made it to class, and uh, you know they were they were talking, and I remember the teacher basically said something similar, like um, you know we're we're going to be at war, um, but we have a mission, and we need to get right into it. Like okay, <laughs> um, again, I, I, it, nothing registered with me on any of this, on the scale of this, what this really meant. I mean, I, I think you kind of knew, like I would say, this is like something very bad's happened, but like really hard, I think, for anybody to really put in context like what that meant because we just had no perspective. Uh, I think we were too young. I mean, we were pretty young when Gulf War happened and all that. Um, oh, I don't think we, anybody even knew at that time where this was coming from or who this was, and so you know uh terrorism was a very different thing at that time so it, again like i said it didn't hit me until i went to the mess hall and i just remember looking at all the first season they like they nobody said a word and it like i don't think many people ate and it was just like kind of realized like oh man we're actually here for this stuff like this could mean something especially so um and then, of course, and then all the rumors flying around, like somebody's going to to the mess hall and kill all 4,000 cadets. And, you know, everyone starts talking. And so it got a little crazy for a while there. But um, really quickly, the post went on lockdown. I remember, um, you know, but that was when people, you, you, you just drove right on the post. And they had an NP guard up there at the, uh, uh, right there at Thayer. And you could, you'd pull in and he'd come out and salute you. And it was really cool. Like, oh, it, you know, real cool military look, but they didn't check nothing. You flew in and out. It was no big deal. Um, but like really quickly that all changed and they locked everything down and started 
So it was a little, little intimidating at first. Um, but again, I don't think anybody could fully understand what that meant. Um, I mean, we're still, you know, we're still what we're 2020 and we're still in this thing, you know, not at the same scale, but you know, if you'd have told me then we'd be 20 years into this and I mean, nobody would have probably predicted that. Yeah. So did anything else change after? I mean, I know you said some of the force protection measures, obviously, but, or was it just kind of life as normal? Like you said, the instructors said, we have a mission to do and we're going to do it. I'm just curious how many things changed. And obviously you guys are plebes, like you probably didn't know much what it was supposed to look like prior to that anyway, but maybe from talking to some of the upperclassmen. Yeah, plebe gymnastics turned real serious. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you take, take a step of that? Yeah, go for it, Joe. Yeah, man, the whole thing just really sucked after that, honestly. I think my best time at the academy was the first three months because it was like a knee-jerk reaction. They made us all – well, we used to have unlimited passes and all sorts of crazy things that were just really cool. It would have made the whole experience much more bearable, I think, but they took all of the cool things away, like – within say after the first semester i think right because all of the sleeping during ami that was done that was like probably the best thing about the plebe year i think i, I think uh, we're core squatters or i think because we were breaking the rules i don't i don't remember that actually being uh, <laughs> no it was totally legal i know it was legal i broke the rules after it was illegal i know that but and we got all these uh, guys, uh jordan and brian probably thinking like the core has like man <laughs> <laughs> I also remember a lot of mandatory formations that I tried to get out of after this happened. So there was like a, a series of just mandatory get-togethers and mandatory formations and, uh, you know, little things that made the experience much more, I, I guess, I guess miserable, honestly. Yeah, I'll say that, you know, looking back on it, this is the first time I've really reflected on I, I guess on comparing my time in the military as an officer, my time in the army as an officer, and then how West Point reacted, you know, on deployments for me, you know, when bad things happen, you know, you, you, you want to keep your soldiers minds engaged, right? Idle minds and idle hands aren't a good thing. So I didn't know it at the time, but that's what West Point was doing. Right. There wasn't like some, all right, cancel all classes, bring in the grief counselors, which is like a thing to do today. Like, let's 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 stop and check everyone's, you know, mental state. It's like, no, like we we like um, I can't remember who said it, but like there is a mission. We have to commission now that we know we know what's coming. We're even more focused on the mission of what West Point is and what we need to do. Right. So. Um, I think a lot of things changed around us, like the physical security, you know, things around in the world. But that gray bubble even just got more hyper-focused on producing leaders. Um, and, you know, if that was not allowing us to sleep in AMI, I guess what they thought that was a good, <laughs> a yeah. good call. But I mean, I in, in all reality, for me anyway, that's how I kind of am, am thinking about this as we're talking. In fairness, too, like, if you think about it, when this all happened, um, a lot of the stuff that is, you know, with the Corps of Cadets is pushed down from the BTOs and the, the TAC officers and everything. They're, they're the really ones that kind of, like, mold and shape the way we function, um, even though it's, it's cadet-led. Uh, the vision and everything is being pushed down from the, the, the soup and the comm and all the way down to the panels. If you think about it, when, when all this happened uh, and, 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 you know, the buzzwords are like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to war. So you had a bunch of captains, teachers, and tacks, and even majors. They hadn't done anything. They've been living the garrison life. I mean, you might have had like, you know. Um, Bosnia yeah. or Kosovo yeah. or something. Yeah, you might have yeah, you might have had like even the soup, you know, like, I don't know, maybe he, he, he was on some, I don't know. It, but the real thing was nobody had done anything. And so all they had in their head was, was we're going to war and they were going to like, we're going to get ready, gosh darn it. And so we were like going back to like Tom days probably and like trying to implement all these things. And so 
I imagine it probably got better as people that actually had gone through deployments and actually experienced real life. Um, yeah. Modern day combat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can I can appreciate both what Ty and Phil said there, and uh, I, I completely concur, uh, especially you know with regard to it probably got a lot better. I think that there was some inconsistencies and people didn't really know what they were trying to produce when we were there because it was, you know, their first shot. That was the truth. But there, I, I can definitely see where some of the folks that had, because to, to Phil's point, there, some of the older folks, they'd seen a lot, you know, there was, there was dudes, Vietnam vets in our, in, you know, and as, uh, as officers at the academy, there were some of our mentors. So they had a lot of experience. Um, but some of the captains, they were just inconsistent. Some of the uh, folks that were directly in charge of us, they were probably inconsistent with how it was laid out. So that's uh, probably was more of the inconsistencies that led to my issues and how it really impacted our wrestling and our life at the academy. But to Ty's point, you know, in making officers, maybe some of those things were uh, definitely necessary. Yeah, can you think of any specific, like, you know, officers that, uh, you know, teachers, tax, NCOs there that, you know, were kind of like, you know, affected by this, where like they just wanted to get right back, get right back into the fight or get to the fight? You know, some, I could see some like hard charging, you know, infantry captains or, you know, NCOs that just like were like, I'm done with it. I'm not going to be around the cadets. I'm going back to the fight. You know, do you have any specific examples of that? You know, or remember any, many tax or anything stand out to you guys? Phil, you got somebody? I was just thinking about all the high and tight uh, young. <laughs> Sparky Anderson, my tag. Yeah, he's. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shout out Sparky. Sparky. Yeah, I, swear <laughs> I don't have specific. I, I do think that I think most of those people probably felt pulled because, I mean, you got to think about it really quickly. People started deploying and going um, or, or, or gearing up and getting ready to deploy. And West Point's such a bubble, and living in that, like you feel like it was just like same thing, right? We're 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 so close to New York City, but we really couldn't do anything. But you're close enough to feel that like I want to do something, but I can't freaking do anything. And I imagine it, same same position. Those guys were like they're in the military. Their duty is to be teaching us, but at the same time, they're seeing all their peers and stuff actually go do stuff. And I imagine that was probably pretty difficult for them. So yeah. um, we just got. Uh, we probably got some over-eager, zealous uh, training from them. <laughs> well, hey, uh, B-Row, I mean, there's a guy, he, I know he's not an Army wrestling alumni, but maybe uh, Bob Curtin would be a good guy to talk to about this because uh, do you know who I'm talking about? You know Bob yeah. Curtin? Yeah, yeah he's, the, uh, he's at uh, – we coach wrestling together here for, for a couple uh, well, of Bob, Bob and I served together in 82nd, and uh, so he was at West Point on staff as a captain and when this happened and him and another guy, I don't know if it was pre nine 11, they were, they got the bug or whatever, but they were training for Delta mm. and they went. And I, I, I want to say, I could be making this up, but you might want to talk to him about it is that West point. If you think about it, if you think about the mission critical, assignments in the army uh, I think and especially at that time West Point was probably one of them so to Phil's point all these all, every one of our attacks I'm sure well not everyone probably most of them wanted to get to the line and serve right get, get deployed and, and go to combat but big armies like no, no no your mission there is more is critical but I think Bob and his one training partner were allowed to go to the Delta selection um, so it'd be interesting to talk him to him about that yeah, I'll ask him. I was actually just talking to him last week. Uh, small world. I didn't realize you uh, you guys served together. Yeah, he's a great man. But yeah, so um, you know, I, I think to everyone's point, you know, everyone just got hyper focused, right? Whether you know, it doesn't matter who you were um, at the academy, just life became very um, deliberate, right? And everything we did. It's kind of an interesting concept because it's completely different from the experience that I had and probably b too. But what I'm hearing from you guys is that a lot of the junior officers that were in charge of you were teaching you from a standpoint of like 
theoretically, they, they didn't have a lot of experience in it. Whereas when we were there, they had the experience. And it was almost used as like a shaming negative way in the opposite way where it's like, well, you don't know anything because you didn't do blank, blank, blank. And if you do this, then, you know, you're wrong. Um, which I think probably put a bad taste in people's mouth also. So there definitely was a probably a happy medium that maybe some of all of us missed. I'm kind of curious. Um, I know we didn't ask this at the time. Maybe what was some of your family saying to you at the time um, when it happened or the aftermath? I talk to recruits now that are still hesitant about coming to West Point 20 years after this because of, you know, what they're going to be asked to do and serve their country. I'm curious what you guys' family was saying at this time. Go ahead, Joe. You with us, Joe? Yeah, I had to get off mute. Um, what do you tell recruits that are being recruited to West Point or want to go to West Point? What's the question? Yeah, the question's more like, what was your family saying to you at the time that 9-11 happened and then several years after knowing that you were, you know, potentially going to go off and, and serve overseas? Why don't someone else answer this real quick, and I'll uh, answer. Sure. I have to think about it. I think I, I, I talked about it a little bit before, but you know, pre nine eleven, it was you know everyone's proud, you know, peacocking. Their son's going to West Point, you know, it's super prestigious. And then nine eleven happens, and then Mama Reedy changes her tone a little bit. You know, baby, you know, oldest son is 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 looking and staring war down in the face. You know, so there's obviously I don't care who you are, how patriotic you are. If you're a parent, I, I couldn't imagine that. I've got a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. I couldn't imagine, um, you know, going into that situation thinking one thing and then have it total, do a total 180. Um, but it was still fully supportive. And, you know, once they, they heard me, you know, be very confident in what I was doing and why I was there and why I wanted to be there, um, it was never a conversation again. Um, so yeah, that was my experience. Yeah, I think for me. Yeah, I think. Uh, go ahead, Joe. All right, I'll go. The idea of getting recruited to go to school was always a new thing, and so uh, my parents were always on board with that, but they didn't really understand what West Point was or anything about it. So. Uh, it's probably the wrong crowd to even celebrate the idea that you're going to the academy with because they didn't even know what it was. So I showed up. We had to go to Robinson Auditorium for our day, so I showed up there alone. Um, I think that the uh, interesting piece for me was after that, I had to realize, and my family had to realize, that it wasn't like going to college to wrestle. You know, you were going to go to an academy and potentially go to war. So, as I start talking to kids about it now, and then honestly, Coach Joe, I have to answer this question thinking about these kids that I now have this could be, you know, they're young enough to be my own children. I say to them, if you really want to do, go to an academy, you want to go to an academy, go to an academy because you want to be an officer. But I don't ever get any of my kids recruited just to get them recruited to go to wrestle. I think it was a pretty big mistake out of my naivety and then a lot of people's naivety in the academy. So I really try and let people know what they're getting into now. All right, so Phil, how about you? Yeah, so, you know, my family, obviously it couldn't have been too bad because Patrick followed right behind me. Patty, <laughs> I was going to say, you uh, really must not have been too worried. There's yeah, and then, then William was uh, not too far behind, uh, <laughs> behind that. Um, yeah, I think uh, like probably like anybody, I think, you know, my family was worried. They didn't probably burden me with their worries. Um, if that makes sense. I think they kind of trusted me to, you know, kind of make my own decision and, and think about how that impacted me and what that meant. So I never felt the burden of and pressure and stress that maybe they went through. I'm sure they probably had that. Um, I can't speak to that. Um, you know, for me, it was very weird because it all happened and it was very real, but in, in one sense, I don't know if I ever took it very seriously. Cause again, like the only, only concept we had of like any kind of war was like Gulf war. We go in, we, we, we bomb some places and 
you know, throw our weight around and we're done, you know, and, and it, and that's not how this happened. It's not how it unfolded. And, uh, this issued in a whole different style of warfare with, you know, urban, you know, operations and coin strategy. And, um, it was just a very different thing that we didn't, nobody ever understood. So I really kind of found solace in wrestling as probably a good distraction for me. Um, and so I, I, probably doubled down on my training and doubled down on um on that aspect of cadet life and didn't get so much caught up in what all this meant because i don't think anybody really understood and everyone that was gung-ho i mean like we still had like three and a half more years in front of us so it didn't really make a whole lot of sense for me to rush to any rash judgments i liked the people i was with we had great teammates uh i liked our coaches our assistant coach todd chesborough at the time i mean we had a great culture um i think in fairness too coach barbie probably didn't have any idea what all this meant um all those coaches i mean they were recruiting athletes to come to west point get four years of a great education and five years of a paid job right out of college with no debt and you know um i mean what else could you have asked for so they didn't recruit with the idea of any of us going to war. Um, so yeah, it was just a very weird thing that, you know, but I, I found probably my distraction in wrestling. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's gotta be interesting with the family. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I never thought about it. I remember when I was, when I was joining, you know, this was 2004, I was, you know, my parents were like, yeah, war's going on, but it'll probably be over by the time he graduates. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny looking back now. <laughs> what were they wrong? <laughs> so uh, kind of like you three your years at West Point, um, how did training change? I'm sure like, you know, maybe like, you know, operationally going through Buckner and kind of your details as a cow and firsty, did that stuff kind of change at all? Like doctrinally through West Point, you know, Phil, you mentioned like coin strategy and things like that. Like how did those things kind of adapt? Um, and I know, you know, it, the summer training for West Point now looks completely different than it did back then. And I'm not sure if maybe it was the same when I, I feel like when I went through, you know, Buckner, you know, five or six years after you guys, it was kind of similar. Um, how did that, how did those aspects change, you know, from your, from 9-11 in your eyes? Um, I'm trying to reflect on the different phases as you go through the years, but I don't think, I don't remember it changing so much from like just conventional warfare. I know they probably, you know, I, I think I remember them throwing out some like shoot houses some random, you know, uh, urban type things, but it definitely wasn't as concentrated. And, and, and you know, my, you know, uh, I left the army four years ago. My last duty was was a, as a tack officer back at West Point, and it, I can say the training that there is now is just incredibly better, more efficient, and obviously suited. Maybe better is not a right word for it, but obviously better suited for what they're doing. They're, the, the cadets are going to face. Um, but I don't remember too much of us going off the path of, of conventional, especially in the field, the field exercises. I think we talked about it more in our, uh, MS class, military science classes. I don't know. That's how I'm kind of remembering it, Phil. I don't know if you think anything different. Yeah, I think for probably the first year, maybe even two, I think they were kind of, I mean, I can't even imagine the chaos behind the scenes of like, what do we teach these guys? What, what do we do to get them ready? Um, and so I think there was a lot of grasping at straws. Um, and so we, they introduced probably a couple different things. Um, you know, our military science class, I don't think that was a class, um, prior to nine 11. I, I think you got some training. Um, but I think they started introducing a lot more, um, doctrine and trying to like get us trained up on specific things. Uh, whereas I think the approach beforehand was more like you'll learn that when you get to your first OBC. Um, I don't think there was a huge rush to try to get us up to speed on some of that. Whereas I think after 9-11, I think they were really trying to make sure that if we graduated, went to OBC and deployed right away, that we had like all the knowledge that we needed. Um, and so I do think I remember 
for a while they're thinking they were throwing a lot at us. Um, and it wasn't so much, uh, you know, it was just, it was just doctrinal stuff and just trying to get us more acclimated. It, it, we definitely went from a shift of, of, uh, spending more time thinking about the army and military rather than like West Point life. So I think it was so focused on West Point. And then, uh, when this happened, they started really infusing a lot of army stuff, um, uh, in, in that. And I, I, I do think, uh, you know, we probably didn't get to experience that fully until maybe Cal and first year when we started a lot of the opportunities we had at, for, you know, summer training was, uh, a lot different, more enhanced. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think they started trying to bring a lot more back into our, the cadet life that was, you know, maybe not there. But if you think about it, you know, West Point's mission, right. Isn't, isn't to produce tactical experts. Right. So I think it's to produce leaders. Right. And like Phil said, once you get to OBC, then you really start to really dig into the, to the, you know, your, your, your branch specific um, expertise. So, you know, even though I think the best thing that they did was bring back recent graduates from the force. Like I'll never forget, Phil, I don't know if you remember Andy Blickhan, the first captain when we were a plebe, I'll never forget his name and I'm horrible with names. Andy Blickhan, well, probably because he hazed me a couple of times, but, um, he came back, they brought him back. I don't know what year it was, if it was, you know, uh, yuckier or cow year, but they brought him back and he was on a panel up on in Robinson odd sitting there in a panel. There's, there's former, you know, cadet now, you know, second or first Lieutenant Blickon that fresh back from Iraq. And he's like, you know, I, I know we're running a PG thing here. He's like, Hey, someone asked him a question and he's like, Hey, I don't know which way shit water floats but I had to figure it out. You know, I got, I got thrown in the middle of this town in Iraq and they, the sewer was all messed up and I had to figure it out. And I'm an infantry officer. Like, what are we talking about? You know, and just, and just, you just had those conversations with, and got to hear those experiences from recent graduates that filled the gap. Like we talked about before those officers that were at West Point that didn't have that experience. So I, I think that was the best thing they ever did. Did they bring them back? You know, kind of that kind of brand. You guys are getting really good at like bringing up the next questions, like as we're gonna get to them next. Um, but like, did they do that routinely? Like bringing graduates back, like as your you know yucks or your cows or your firsties, you know, because obviously they you know they graduate, they go through your training, then they go out to deploy, come back. Like, was there like a, a battle rhythm to that, to where they did that like once a quarter, or how did that? How 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 was that occurrence? I just remember Blickon, but I don't know about you, Phil. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was some – I mean, they don't do anything that's not planned out so far in advance. We obviously didn't know. We were living week to week, maybe like minute to minute in my shoes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I do remember – and I don't, I don't know what it was like before, but I remember we were constantly having guest uh, speakers. Like I remember Hal Moore. Uh, we were soldiers once and young. Uh, he came and gave a, gave a great talk and um, they started bringing back, I think, a lot of people that had had actually done stuff. Um, and so just getting perspectives and listening. Um, I think PL 300, you know, uh, took a different meaning. And so they use that as a pretty good opportunity to infuse a lot of stories uh, and situational awareness. So. Um, I'm not sure what that was like before, but I, I, I mean, you did get it. I mean, that's what, that's kind of what I was saying at the last one was like, it felt like very heavily infused with um, just examples and stories of like people that actually had done stuff. Uh, and I think beforehand it was probably, you know, just bringing old West Point grads back to talk about the good old days. You know, it was like, they were bringing back Vietnam vets. They were bringing back, people that had been to Panama or, or, you know, Kosovo or, or, you know, um, wherever. And so like we were getting some real, some people that had been through some real stuff, um, which was, which was good. You know, I don't think they were there to scare us, but, um, to give us a different perspective on how, um, again, I think from a leadership perspective, the moral and ethical piece of what we were trying to learn, how important that was 
you know, when you do become a leader and you're, you know, faced in a situation like Vietnam has some messed up stuff. So they had a lot more probably things, but it was good for us to hear that. Well, and again, those, those lessons that they teach and, you know, the, the mill art classes, right. All of a sudden got really real. I mean, you know, I'm paying attention, right? Like, geez, the, the, uh, talk about the moral ethical, like the battle, you know, was it the me lie? Um, you know, where West Pointer was leading that thing, you know? And then, so all those, I don't know if I, I, I know I didn't consciously think it at the time, but like that all just got real. And then another aspect is like, by the time we were cows in firsties, plebes were coming in that were prior enlisted that had mustard stains on their jump wings, combat patches on their right shoulder. <laughs> I wasn't saying anything to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> they could do whatever they wanted. I didn't even think about that. That's yeah, not, no, that's crazy. Really hey, that was one, I, I do remember that very much. The first time you started seeing people coming back with combat patches, mm. they were like, it was kind of, uh, it was like, holy smokes, that dude's got a combat patch. They were gods. Yeah. It was like when Tesla first came out. You see a Tesla, you're like, oh my God. So, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's got a combat patch. But yeah. when that happened, I remember thinking, like, that person's done something. Yeah, it's been, I, I, went back for a, I went back for a wedding when it was JP's wedding up at West Point like five yeah. or six years ago. Yeah. You were attacked, and um, one of your guys' old soldiers who was, he was a yuck at the time. Flower day. Yeah, and I remember seeing him at the at the uh, the wedding, and just he was so confident. He like there was nothing that could bring this guy down. I was like, that's what it feels like to be a prior service guy at West Point. Like, it, like I didn't see it as much when I was a cadet, but I remember looking at him being like. This kid's like 20 years old, 21 years that, old. <laughs> that guy is grizzled as a 20-year-old. You know, he's hard as woodpecker lips. <laughs> yeah. How much – I mean, I know we said there was some guests coming back and different people. I mean, the people I trusted the most were definitely my teammates, even guys that were obviously older than me. How much were you talking to them, guys that are two, three years older and graduated, you know, trying to determine what branch you're going to pick or – just what their experiences are in the army. I mean, I remember specifically for me, like I remember my team captain when I was a plea was Ryan Mergen. I remember when he got blown up and how big of a deal that was. And when he was injured and, you know, all, that kind of was a thing we all, you know, rallied together around. And I was like, man, do I really want to do what he did? That's, that's pretty intense. But at the same time, we're like, I want to go do what he did. So maybe talk through some of that. Like, was there people you guys were talking to or, Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I remember the first person, actually, he graduated before um, before I got there, but I met him on my recruiting trip, Matt Ross. And uh, he was, uh, you know, one of the team leaders. Um, he actually has a pretty good story. Um, he did not want to branch infantry, but last second, I think Colonel Polka, who was our OR, convinced him to switch over. He was like, you know, you're an infantry guy. And so he did. And and, um, you know, he was just a, a really tough, hard-nosed guy. And, um, you know, I just remember hearing, you know, he was just obviously doing really well. And you hear stories kind of coming back and floating around from, you know, guys that were on the team that were still connected to people that were going out. Um, but I think for us, we were pretty fortunate. While we were there, um, I, don't, I don't believe so, Ty, but I don't think we had any former wrestlers that got injured or hurt. Um, that was, I mean, again, I mean, we're talking like it's been 20, 19 years. Um, and I think that first part uh, when we first went into Afghanistan and then we started going into Iraq, um, it was still not as bad or, I mean, it was, it's all bad, but it wasn't at the scale. And I don't think the media had, um, it just was different. Right. I think, as things got worse and as we started being there longer, the mission changed and, um, and things started getting probably really bad, at least from a casualty standpoint or what we were aware of, I think is probably our first year. Yeah. Um, and then as we started getting to OBC, they started the surge um, and they started doing a lot of things differently that probably exposed us or exposed our military. Um, and that's, you know, I remember it was 2005, 2006 uh, were pretty bad years, 2007. Um, yeah. So, like, we were, 
even though we were there and we definitely, I remember the first time we lost uh, uh, a cadet or lost uh, an officer that was a cadet while we were there. Uh, I want to say it was Lisa Walker. Um, yeah. And I remember being like, holy smokes, man, she was sitting in the mess hall with us, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever that was. But it wasn't, it still wasn't that upfront in our faces, probably um, as much as it was probably in y'all's face. Yeah. Yeah, like like Phil said, you know, the, you got to remember the first two years, you know, from 01, you know, to 03, it was just Afghanistan, right? And that was, a, that was for, you know, a, the country easy to get behind, right? Because that's where the attacks came from. But then once we went into Iraq, um, and then so that's 03, and by the time, like Phil said, by the time we were firsties, it started to get a little grindy and then once we graduated and like I was I was a platoon leader in the surge 06 um in 07 to Iraq and it was it was tough you know so we didn't really experience that as cadets like you guys did so um it was just a different time like Phil was saying I appreciate that so Matt Ross's son's actually a plebe now uh he's oh, just yeah, he just started. And I, so the Matt Ross story, is, it, it's funny. So he branched FA. And then when 9-11 happened, he, let, he was like getting ready to start OBC. He drove to Fort Knox, changed his branch. <laughs> that's, that's the story I heard, at least. Uh, but I guess cell phones weren't, weren't a big thing. But yeah, he was like, I need to go there and, and change it. Like, I, I can't be told no. So yeah, back then, there. you could change branches like that. Back then. Now it's a lot more difficult. I changed from armor. I branched armor and changed infantry. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, anything else uh, you guys want to discuss? Um, I think we hit on all the topics there. I appreciate you guys coming on. Well, you know, one thing I'll say, and it, it, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty eerie, and it's I, I'm I'm it's pretty cool to be part of the class in 2005. And Brian, I can't remember if I told you this story. But it's part of, I mean, it, it's cool to me because it's definitely part of West Point lore that I don't know if it's it's well known yet, but I know in years to come it will be. And Phil, I don't know if you know where I'm going, but so 9-11 happened our plebe year. Time Magazine did an expose on our class and we're on the front cover. And I can send you the link. You can just even Google Time Magazine, um, West Point 9-11. And our first year it came out right right before graduation and they dubbed us they called us the the class of 9-11 that was our nickname the class of 9-11 that's what time magazine you know branded us with can you guess how many people we graduated with 911 911 that's weird that's super weird yeah pretty wild Put that in the yeah. Google notes. Yeah, <laughs> they should. They should yeah. write a petition for that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, I, uh, I, I, I appreciate you guys actually bringing it up. It's, uh, it was, you know, it was, um, it was good to think back on some of these memories. I hadn't thought about, you know, this in a long. I think we all get busy in our, you know, with our lives and probably don't reflect on what the academy did for us, what it meant, and then all the experiences and. We for sure had a unique one and one that we didn't uh, we didn't ask for, but you know we we uh, I think we made us it made us better. Um, but uh, and I know everyone has different experiences uh, with, with with West Point, but honestly, um, I couldn't have been more grateful for the opportunity that I had and for the mentors that I had and for the teammates like Ty that I had. Um, and uh, I think you guys all would probably agree, you know, it's just uh, it's a unique bond that I think you form um, with your classmates, but even more specifically with your teammates and even deeper with your teammates that are your classmates. And um, everyone goes through unique experiences and um, no one experience is better than another. It's just, uh, it is yours. And I just, you know, I'm very thankful that you guys are giving everyone the opportunity to share their experiences and, um, you know, I, I, it was real neat to just think about on that and shoot, Brian, I, I don't, I remember when you came up for, uh, 
use maps came up for the recruiting uh trip and uh you and william came up and uh you know i mean it's crazy to think how how much time has gone by since then but uh yeah it's something really unique i think kind of brings us all together so i appreciate you guys doing this i really do and uh you know i have nothing but great memories and great things um that i'm just extremely thankful for um on the wrestling side on the military side and um just yeah thank you yeah, yeah. guys uh, thank you uh, yeah same as phil i wouldn't i know you guys you know um beha what you guys are doing is amazing uh this podcast it's so cool and, and brian i was telling phil this yesterday on the golf course don't tell anybody it was monday we're on the golf course but uh <laughs> I thought I thought I was the biggest Army wrestling fan until Brian Rowan exploded, exploded on on the on the scene. But uh, I don't know about that, there's there's some there's some bigger ones out there. Yeah. JT JT's probably got me. Uh, he's got me a little bit. He just doesn't he just doesn't talk about it. Yeah, he's, he's undercover with it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but seriously, um, you know, I I I and I know you guys, you know, are thinking about using this as a re recruiting tool. And so, any recruits out there, any parents out there listening. I wouldn't change a second, not one minute. I wouldn't change any decision I ever made. Um, and I would tell, you know, my son and daughter the same thing. So um, I really appreciate what you guys are doing and, and uh, love the program and love, love everything about it. Heck yeah. Appreciate you guys time and thanks for your service too. Yeah. Thank you guys. All right. Have a good one. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall radio show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And as always, go Army, be Navy.